Praise God. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Amen. Are starting a new series today, Emotional Wholeness. And I told uh, some of our elders this morning, I said, uh, I, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm trying to untangle spaghetti, trying to, trying to uh, figure out how to teach on this. There's so many different aspects to it, and um, we, but as, as we teach on this, we can grab hold of it, it'll change our lives, and it'll cause us to uh, understand how to be more successful and how to have a more fulfilled life. There's a lot of people that, are, that just live in, in trauma. That's caused by a lot of different things. And uh, there's a lot of people that just live in a, in a toxic environment. And a toxic environment has to do with, with our thinking and our emotions. And when we can bring those to God and, and we can see that changed by the power of God, we can ch see things um, uh, stabilized by the power of God, then, then our lives become more full and, and have more meaning. Amen. I, there's one thing that I just really, uh, well, there's a lot of things I, I really dislike. <laughs> All of us have strong opinions. But um, one of the things that I really dislike is, uh, is toxic atmospheres. I, I just don't deal well with it. Matter of fact, if, if, I'm, if, if I'm around toxic things, I'm either going to fix it or I'm going to just leave it, one or the other. If there's not any way to resolve it, then, um, you know, that's, that's just, I'm just going to leave it like it is. If people don't want to resolve toxicity, if they don't want to uh, be healed or changed, then, you know, I'm not going to hitch my wagon to that. You understand what I'm talking about? And all of us have to understand that. There's, uh, you help people, but that doesn't mean that you adopt things around you into your life. Because if you're not careful, you'll end up living somebody else's life. And you don't want to do that. Amen. Our verse today is 1 Peter 5 and 10. Read this with me. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Powerful verse. I love that verse. We're going to talk a little bit more about it in a minute. Say this declaration with me. In Christ, my emotions are being healed of all disappointments, deficits, trauma, and emotional pain. In Christ, I am strong. I am stable. I am free from agitating passions. I am whole. I will not serve or be controlled by my emotions, but my emotions will serve and be controlled by Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. Powerful, powerful thing. If you want to be, we were, some, some of us talking about this uh, before service when we were praying. If you want to be successful in life, in business, in anything like that, one of the number one things that you have to get is uh, a high emotional IQ. It's not about your intellectual IQ, it's your emotional IQ. You can have a high intelligence and not have a high emotional IQ and you're not going to do well. You're going to struggle because everything's going to manipulate you. It's going to manipulate your emotions, your thinking. But when you have a high emotional IQ, which means you're not manipulated by things around you, 
You understand yourself. You're, you're good with who you are. You understand your weaknesses. You understand your strengths. You, under, you understand other people's strengths and weaknesses. And you're not intimidated, manipulated, or jealous, or things like that because of that. And when, when you're able to achieve that, then you can be more successful in the things uh, that you do, especially in life and in relationship. All emotional uh, disorder or order comes from your relational experiences. The only thing that, that can change that is a physical trauma that, that somehow causes brain damage or uh, things like that, but almost all of your emotional base is from your relational experiences. And that starts when you're children. Uh, a little child, if, if they are left alone, they actually did a study on this, and I can't believe they, they did it, but they did. Um, I can't remember the, I'm not going to mention the uh, country, but because I think it's terrible that they did this, but they took these orphans, these children, and some of them, they separated and gave them no affection whatsoever, no touch. They just met their basic needs, their uh, food, water. They just met their basic needs, but they, they had no connection, no relational connection. Those children did not do well, but the ones that had relational connection did. And so our emotional connections, our relational connections determine how that we're able to respond to life and how we're able to excel. Matter of fact, without, the right, uh, without uh, affection and relational connection, your brain doesn't even develop well. It causes your brain not to develop well. And so I, I can go on and on with statistic after statistic, but we need to get into this today and uh, just really begin to understand what the Word has to say about our emotional well-being. Warren Buffett, I believe that's who this is credited to, said this, you will continue to suffer if you have an emotional reaction to everything that is said to you. True power is sitting back and observing things with logic. True power is restraint. If words control you, that means everyone else can control you. Breathe and allow things to pass. Pretty, pretty good statement. Of course, he's kind of backed that up because he's one of the richest men in America. And uh, he's been able to control that. He's been able to do that because uh, he's been able to be successful in things that he didn't. In other words, he didn't self-destruct. Emotional imbalance will cause you to self-destruct and will cause you to, to um, jeopardize everything that you try uh, to accomplish. You will literally sabotage your own success if you don't have emotional well-being. Jesus was a very emotional person. I'm not talking about coming to a place where you're just robotic, where you have no emotions and you're, you, know, you're just, uh, you just don't respond to anything. That's not, not what I'm talking about. Jesus was a very emotional person. He, he felt sorrow. One of the shortest verses in the Bible, is Je and Jesus wept. He felt anger. He got angry. And uh, he told the Pharisees off. I mean, he'd, he'd get mad and tell them off, call them brood of vipers and whitewashed tombs. And, and I mean, he, you know, he got, he got serious with them. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what, what that meant back then, but obviously it was, it was pretty rough. 
And um, so Jesus, and, and he also, he got excited. One, one time, he got so excited, and he said this. He said, he said God, I thank you that you have, you have not given this wisdom uh, to the intellectual, but, but to the babes, to the, those that have less understanding. He, he got excited about that. The religious people couldn't get it. The scholars couldn't get it. But the simple ones, what people call simple, was getting it. And it, the Bible says that he rejoiced, which means that he jumped in the air, spun, and yelled. <laughs> Jesus was not a robot. He felt emotion. He got aggravated. He told his disciples different times, how long am I going to be with you? When are you going to get this? I mean, like any parent, you know. <laughs> how many times do I have to tell you this? Have you all ever said that? Emotional stability is, is paramount to our relational success, and especially... In uh, when we in serving God, I tell you, there's nothing there's nothing can jerk you around more than than uh, the spiritual things. I mean, it, it can cause you to be uh, up one minute, down the next minute. You know, we don't need churches that are that are just spiritually constipated, for a better word. I don't know how I don't know what other word to use there. That seems appropriate. <laughs> at this point <laughs> but uh a lot of our churches we we come in and and we do our religious thing but we don't we don't know how to enjoy the presence of god we we're afraid of emotion you know we're afraid of getting excited we're afraid to you know really respond to the word of God. You know, when, when, you're pre when I'm preaching and I'm preaching on something you really need, you need to get in on that. You need to start claiming that. You need, you need to really grab hold of that. And if you have to jump on your feet and say, that's mine, then do it. Whatever it takes for you to grab hold of that, get it, you know? Don't just sit, don't just sit there, you know, with your mind somewhere else. We got to get involved and, and, and release our, ourselves to the presence of God. Now, emotions are a blessing or a curse. If emotions are leading you, they will, do, they will lead you to destruction. If your emotions are a response to your actions, then they'll be a blessing. But if your actions are a response to your emotions, it'll be a curse. Because when emotions are put in leadership, you will not be able to respond properly to situations. And things can get out of control really fast. Have you ever seen anything escalate real fast and just get out of control? Just, you know, the emotions just, just get out of control. And, and a lot of times it doesn't make any sense. And the reason is because a lot of times what's, what the response is not about what's happening at the moment. It is built up emotion that all of a sudden somebody pops that balloon and, and out it comes. It just starts spilling out, you know? And everybody's standing there with their eyes about this big one and what in the world happened. And, you know, where, where'd that come from? Well, it's been coming for a long time, and we hadn't been dealing successfully with it. Amen. So the, the verse that we read today in 1 Peter 5, it says, the last part of that says, 
after you have suffered a while. Now, we'd like to erase that part out of it. After you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and I like this term, settle you. Did you know you can grieve the loss of a, of a loved one and not be unsettled? We're going to talk a little bit about peace today. And peace, my definition of peace is the absence of inner conflict. The absence of inner conflict. When you're not at peace, it's because you are of two minds. There's, you're, you're not settled on, on your thinking. And so you, you respond to this conflict on the inside because you can't make up your mind what you want to apply yourself to, and that causes frustration, it causes anger, it causes all kinds of things. And so when we can resolve our inner conflict, then we can successfully grieve somebody. Did you know you can be sad and still not be unsettled? You can be happy, still not be unsettled? Amen. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Because we're, we're so used to people just, you know, we're, we're used to life being like the Jerry Springer show. I've, I've never watched the Jerry Springer show, but I've seen advertisements, and I thank good God, why would anybody watch that? It is the basis form of humanity exhibiting itself. I'm going to say that again. It's the basis form of humanity exhibiting yourself there's a lot of stuff that I, I just don't understand why people get into you know the, these shows there's these shows i've never watched them but it's called the bachelor and the bachelorette i see it as a cattle herd on the bachelor they put a bowl in a field with a bunch of cows and they wait to see which one he's going to mate with Come on, I'm preaching now. And it's the same the other way around. It's ridiculous. And yet people get so involved in that that they actually talk about it. And they can't wait to see who he's going to pick or who she's going to pick. And they never stay with the one they pick. Why? Because it's a basis form of humanity. It's emotions unchecked. It's people being driven by hormones, chemicals, and emotions without any sense. Boy, I, I, I can feel it right now. I'm playing with somebody's favorite thing, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get into that. Listen, <laughs> ladies. You know who keeps those shows alive? It's the women in America, and yet women say they absolutely hate it for men to play around. And yet they'll sit and watch hours of a man playing women. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching good now. Amen. Praise God. You know why we're so conflicted on Father's Day? Father's Day is one of the least celebrated days of the year holiday. You know why we're so conflicted? Because we don't really understand what we really want out of a father. We have all these demands that we want him to fulfill, but we don't really know what he should do to fulfill those needs. Amen. Now, Mama, we, we give them a break because they're nurturing, you know? When my boys have a, have a problem, have, they're upset about something, they usually call Mom. But when they need something fixed, they call Dad. 
Isn't that right? <laughs> Unless things get really bad, then, dad, then they get dad involved. But a lot of times we don't know what we want out of a father. We are conflicted on exactly what is it that that actually is supposed to be like. Now, when we become a father, it's because, it's because we have impregnated of, of our wife, hopefully, It doesn't seem to be that way a lot these days, but we have impregnated our wife, and our wife carries that baby, and we watch the process. See, men are not involved that much in the process. We watch the process. We observe the process. We don't feel the emotions. We don't feel the baby growing. We don't feel all that. You know, our, we, we, we get our heart is not as attached as mom because we are, we are trying to deal with the, the changes and we're trying to make our way, navigate through the hormones. <laughs> and so when that baby is born, we're not nearly as affected by that baby as what mothers are. Why? Because we have to get introduced to that baby when it's born, and we've got to come to know that child. But our role is different. It's not like the mother's role. And so our role is to protect our role is to, is to provide, and our role is to try to make a safe place for this nest to take place. And so we don't, we don't get to really be involved in that emotional process as much. We connect to our children a lot of times through our wives. Come on, somebody. And so as we grow in this thing, we begin to learn what it is to be a dad. We begin to learn how to have emotional connection. connection. We, we begin to learn how to feel love and, and things for this child. You know why? Because we have been the observers, we've been the protectors, but we have not been an active player in the process. And so when a child is born, men have a totally different, this is not the message I was going to preach, but we're going with it, Okay. We, we don't have quite the same process. And so as our children go up, we are a lot of times, husbands are the guys that are used as the threat. And so when we come home, we are the threat to our children. When your daddy gets home, that's usually how it is in most, most households. When your dad gets home, you know, when, we won't, when we're not paying attention to mom, your dad's going to straighten you up, you know? And so a lot of times, children dread dad coming home. Why? Because you're in trouble. Dad's going to have to straighten this thing out because mom has had it with you. Her emotions have been used up. And they have burnt through 
500 different types of emotions, and you have done bankrupted yourself, and dad has had it, or mom has had it, and so she is passing the football to dad. And a lot of times, that's the last thing dads want when they get home. They don't want to come home to that type of atmosphere. And so then dad jumps in and a lot of times straightens things out and then mom's mad at him because he didn't handle it the way she thought he should handle it. He was too aggressive. He was too mean. Well, why? He come home from work. Everybody's mad, so he straightens it out. Listen to me. In, inside of every man is a conquering warrior. And when you access that, something's going to get conquered. Come on, somebody. Praise God. We're just going to get down in the nitty-gritty of this thing right now. We're going to dissect it, and we're going to have an emotional experience. Some of you are having a real emotional experience right now because what I'm teaching on is just really not making you too happy. <laughs> but we, we've got to understand that emotions play such a big part in everything, especially in fathers. Now, we don't look like we're very emotional. You know, I'm a very stoic person. I think I got that from the German side or something. I'm just not a real emotional person. I'm not real expressive, except for when I'm preaching. And when I'm preaching, this other person shows up. And I don't know who this is. <laughs> I had somebody watch a video the other day that, that I work with. And, and when I'm at work, I'm very, very quiet. You know, I don't know why. I focus on my work, and I don't say much. Most of the time, I won't say hardly anything all day. And I'm very quiet. I'm very focused. People come around. I just, I, I do my job. I, you know, I get out of their way or whatever, and I just stay focused. And it makes them very uncomfortable a lot of times. I found out that people get very uncomfortable around me because I have a tendency to just be quiet and just look at you. Like some kind of sociopath or something, you know, just, just stop and stare at you a minute. That's right. I'm diagnosing you. Just keep talking. <laughs> but when <laughs> there were some guys, there were some guys coming, was working on the dock. I was, I was doing the wiring on a dock, and they were, they were putting in boat lifts, and they'd said a few things, and I'd, I'd said hi, you know, and different stuff like that. And finally... By the end of the day, this one guy walks by and he said, well, you're real talkative, aren't you? I said, well, I guess what I need to be. And then they watch me on, on, on the, our church service and they, they think, who is this guy? Well, this is, this is a time when Holy Spirit just accesses my innermost being and it comes out, you know. We don't seem to be real emotional. Men don't seem to be real emotional. Some, some men are. Some men are very emotional. You know, but most of us aren't. You know, this, this, is how, this is how it goes when a bunch of men are working together and, and one of the men starts complaining. You know, one, of, one day uh, somebody started complaining, a guy started complaining, went, you know, went on about, about something, and, and next thing you know, one of, another guy spoke up and said, you're not going to cry, are you? <laughs> and that was the end of it. It was all done, you know? Pat you on the shoulder, had a conversation, woo! Good day, good talk. We don't seem to be real emotion, but we actually are. It's just that we live in this world where we, we do our best to try to 
control our emotions. Especially after you become a dad, you begin to realize that you, your, your emotions have an impact. And so you have to watch what you do. You have to watch what you say. And we're surrounded a lot of times by emotional instability. And so we learn to just kind of become stoic. Why? Because that's our job. Our job is to try to bring stability to life. It doesn't mean we don't have emotions. It says, after you have suffered a while, emotional stability never comes from getting everything you want. Matter of fact, the most emotionally in unstable people there are are those that have been catered to and have gotten everything they want. They become the emotional basket cases of, the, of our life. They're the ones that can't handle anything. I mean, I mean, look at, at some of the stuff you see on the news. You know, some of our college students, they, they, they have to run to safe places because somebody said a name or somebody's said something they didn't like or, you know, things like that. And, and, and you know, the, the emotional upheaval that takes place and the college campuses cater to that kind of thing and won't even let people come and speak on that campus if there's a group that is going to run and cry if they come. Those kind of people never, ever become emotionally stable why? Because adversity and a proper response to adversity is what causes emotional stability. Emotional stability comes from having one impact after another and learning how to respond to that in a way that causes you to improve instead of being destroyed. We are way too traumatized today because of emotion. People today, it doesn't take much of anything for people to have what they call PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And the reason is because we don't know how to properly address the things that are happening and address our emotions about those things. It's not shutting us down. It's finding truth and finding a place to park your emotions. Amen. When, when I'm doing relational counseling, I, I usually try to help women understand, young ladies, especially when they're entering into a marriage, that you have to learn how to park your emotions on a stable foundation. If you don't, your emotions will constantly spy, just, just spin all the time. But you have to find a truth. You have to find truths in your life, and you have to learn confidence that causes you to be able to park those emotions, because if you can't park your emotions, all the facts in the world isn't going to make you feel better, and it's not going to help you because I don't feel good about it. See what I'm talking about? Because women think with both sides of their brain. They, they, they have the factual side, and they have the emotional side. Most men, now understand I, pre, I speak in generalities, most men largely use the factual side of their brain. And so when, when a man's approaching something, he doesn't approach it in how do I feel about that. He approaches in, in what are the facts. And when we, can, when we can come to the understanding of the fact, then we have resolved the issue. Okay? 
and we force our emotions to succumb to the facts because of the factual side. Women are not the same. Women have the factual side, but then they also think with the other side, and, and so they end up circling, ruminating. Fact, emotion. Fact, emotion. Fact, emotion. You can give... So you, we could give you all the facts in the world, but if we can't get the, fact, the emotional side of your brain to attach to something, you're going to be unstable, unsettled, and upset about everything. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. Why? Because, because we have to learn to park our emotions somewhere in a safe place. If you don't, then they're out there, they're vulnerable, and they're always being picked at. And when your emotions are always being picked at, then, then you, you, feel, you feel like you're being punished all the time. You feel like something's wrong. You feel like there, everything's going wrong in your life, and there's actually not hardly anything going wrong in your life, but you feel like everything's going wrong in life because your emotions are vulnerable, and they're out there, and they're constantly being picked at. Somebody's always picking at those emotions, and those emotions constantly activate, and the logical side of your brain gets overwhelmed with the emotions, and you have a hard time coming to a place where you can understand the safe place to put those feelings, okay? Feelings are powerful. They're very powerful. A lot of times today, we, we, we're, we're such, a more, such more of a feeling society now than we used to be. And today, instead of saying, what are the facts, we say, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? You know? In counseling, I've learned not to ask that question very much. Because I realize that it's like untangling spaghetti. Once you get into to how I feel about that, it's hard to ever resolve how you feel about that. You have to, we have to bring the how you feel about that over into the place where we can bring stability. Okay? Man, I feel like I'm wading in a quagmire of mud today. Woo! Emotional stability. There's, there's four things. There's four things that, that affect uh, your emotions. And create your emotions. Number one is mindset. Repetitive meditations. What you repetitively meditate on will determine your emotional basis. Because what you allow your mind to meditate on. Amen. Meditation is a powerful thing. All of you do it. It's just that most of us don't control what we meditate on. The meditation of our heart can be a disaster or it can be a blessing. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about think on these things. Think on these things. Whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, if there be any good report, if there be any, anything just and true, and think on these things. And that's the last thing your mind wants to think about because we have been, we have been geared to the negative and we always move to the negative. Our minds always move to the negative. We don't seem to be able to stay on the positive and the, and the good thing because we don't get quite as much of a response. It's almost like it's wrong to be happy. Yeah. 
And we need to change that as children of God. Amen. It's almost like to be angry is normal. To be aggravated, to be frustrated is normal. If you don't think it's normal, next time you're at work or somebody and everybody's griping and complaining, start talking about something good and see what kind of awkward atmosphere you end up in. <laughs> I walked into a situation here a while back where there was some, some complaining going on, and I, I was listening to it about a certain person, and, and nobody here, okay? <laughs> and I just simply said, I think they're doing a great job. I said, matter of fact, I think you need to back off of them and let them do their work and quit, quit picking at them because I think they're doing a great job. The atmosphere changed. All of a sudden, nobody wanted to talk to me. The atmosphere changed. Why? Because it doesn't seem to be right or normal to be happy about something and to talk about what's going good in your life. Other people think you're bragging. Well, let's brag a little bit. You know, I'm blessed. Woo! Well, good for you. That's the response you get. <laughs> well, aren't you just a little darling? You know, that's how people react. So, mindset is a huge part of your life. Your emotions a lot of times are determined by what you repetitively meditate on. Situations, ex which is external impact, the incoming, situations that you're in, things that are said, things that people do and, and say are situations and it's external impact. It's what's coming at you, what, you're ex what is impacting your life, what you're hearing, what you're seeing, and that causes the next thing, which is experiences, which is memories. And so your situations activate experiences. And you respond to the situation according to how you feel about an experience that is like the situation you're in right now. If you had a good experience, then you're okay. If you had a bad experience, then immediately, it doesn't matter if it even has anything to do with it, you become emotionally unstable because all of a sudden, what happened, what came at you, activated a memory or an experience and it, that came up in you, and next thing you know, you're dealing with emotions that have nothing to do with the situation that you're in right now. Okay? So we... The incoming and upcoming is something that we have to become aware of. When you, start, when you start feeling, when all of a sudden you feel these memories and these strong emotions coming up inside of you, the first thing you need to do is step back and say, okay, what happened? What activated that? And then you need to take that memory to God, drag it to the Lord, bring every thought into the obedience of Christ, drag it over there and say, Lord Jesus, this thought just attacked me, this memory just attacked me, and I'm bringing it to you, and, and I'm revealing it to you and asking you to deal with it. <laughs> That's the last thing we want to do. The first thing we want to do is just simply respond to what comes up. Upcoming. 
Incoming, upcoming. Situation, experience. Things that are said. Somebody can be talking and say something, and it just it triggers something inside. I don't even like to use that word because everybody uses it so much now. I'm triggered. That triggers me. That you know. I'm gonna have to be careful. I, I get I get a little too hard on this stuff. That's that's a popular word now. Triggered, triggered. You know, I'm, I'm the kind of person that says, well, here, let me pull your trigger. <laughs> let's not keep this thing going. Let's just fire this thing, you know? I, I used to say, if people's got a chip on their shoulder, I'm bound to knock that chip off because we might as well just get this thing over with. Yeah. You know, let's not carry this thing on. I, I like to just get things settled. I don't like them to go on and on and on. You know, I, I like to just get them settled. And the fourth thing is something that is really hard to understand and control, and it's called chemicals. We are chemical beings, okay? The chemicals in our body control everything about our body and our mind. You know, they, they say that people are chemically imbalanced when they have depression. Well, that's probably true, but it's not just the fact that you have too many of one chemicals is because you're producing that for there's some reason you're producing that okay anxiety why is it that anxiety is so powerful in our life why is that why is it that that activates anxiety is a response to fear it's a fight or flight thing and and it has to do with adrenaline that's why your heart starts racing. That's why you can't hear as good. You can't see as good. You feel weird. You feel like, you feel like you're not connected to your surroundings. You feel, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a weird state. You feel like you're going to freak out or whatever, and you feel like you're going to lose control and all that kind of stuff. And, and it can be a very frightening experience, and you could swear that there's something physically wrong with you when there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. It is a, it's an emotional response to something that triggered that, and now you have loads of a adrenaline pumping through your body that is causing you to feel like you're out of control and it's a fight or flight thing. You're either going to run or you're going to fight one or the other. You, you get, you know, if you let, if you let anxiety rule your life, you'll get to the point where you can't even leave your bedroom. A perfectly good functioning human being being controlled by something that doesn't exist. And the reason for that is because we let it control us. I, I understand anxiety. I, I know I get all the, you know, people are, well, you've never had it like I have and all this kind of stuff. I absolutely have. I have had some of the worst things. I mean, it, it is scary. It is frightening. You swear something's wrong with you. You think you're coming apart. And you know how I started dealing with that? I started telling myself, well, if you're going to have yourself a fit, you better have a good one and get it over with. Right in public, yep. You know, you're going to lose control, just, just do it and get it, and get it on, over with. Have at it. Boy, it got quiet in here. Why? Because we're always trying to control it. We're always trying to hide it. I got to tell you something. The fact that you're trying to hide it empowers it and makes it have control. The best thing you can do is say, look, I'm having an anxiety attack. I might just absolutely get totally wild, but I, it'll be over with in a few minutes. Just hang in there. <laughs> After I had those terrible seizures nine years ago, I, I, I had the most dramatic anxiety 
I, I never dreamed that anything could control me like that. And I don't know why it happened. Some of it is just the stuff that happened in my brain. And some of it was the fact that these things took over my life and I had no control of it. I couldn't stop it. I couldn't do anything about it. They just had control of me. And it happened at night, so I couldn't sleep. When I, at night, when I'd try to close my eyes, you know, that's when it happened. So I would, I would, a lot of times in the middle of the night, I would literally just come apart at the seams. It's not quite like what you'd think. I think I was coming apart. I was pretty well controlled. I never tore anything up. I never threw anything. I never did. But, but to me, I was absolutely, I mean, it was dangerous. It was coming apart. I was blowing up. And there was times that I, would, that I wouldn't be able to breathe. My heart would pound so fast that I thought it was going to blow up. I wouldn't be able to see. It, just, it was just this, all this stuff just swirling. And I had to try to function like that. And there's a lot of times I would be standing over here on Sunday morning before service. I'd be standing here, wouldn't be able to see. It's like everything was black. I couldn't hear. My heart was racing so fast I couldn't. And I couldn't breathe. And I would be standing here getting ready to walk to that pulpit and preach. And I, either, I, I had a choice to do one of two things. I could run and let it take over, or I could challenge it and whip it. And so I would stand here, and I would start, I would think, I'm, I'm literally going to pass out. I'm not going to be able to breathe. I'm not going to be able to talk. But when it's time for me to preach, I would, I would take off and walk to this platform and, and telling myself, if you're going to fall apart, you're going to do it publicly, and you're going to get it over with, and then you're going to get up, and you're going to preach. All right. Come on, somebody. Because if you let this stuff control you because of fear of somebody thinking something or, or losing control in public or whatever the case might be, if you let that stuff take control, then it will control you. But if you challenge it and say, do your best, I'm going to push through you and I'm going to put you down, then you will overcome that thing. Because every time you push through it, you train your brain not to fall apart and freak out. Every time you don't do what you normally do, you take another step in changing the way your mind works. The way your brain works. If you have problems with fear, every time you don't give in to that fear, it changes your brain. Amen. It's good preaching. I'm giving you the shotgun effect today, and then we're going to get more focused, okay? So chemicals. What do you do with chemicals? Chemicals are, are really confusing. What activates them? Some, sometimes nothing activates them. Some of you ladies, you know what I'm talking about. There's times that, that your hormones go crazy, and there's nothing you did to make it happen. You didn't do it. It wasn't what you was thinking about. It just happened. And your world changes in a matter of minutes. You can go from being a happy person to next thing you know, you're crying, and then you're angry, and then, and then, then you're, you're out of control, and then you're happy again, and it, you know, this, this cycle, and what is it? It's, it's the fact that all of a sudden, your body lost control of its ability to release chemicals. 
And so you're having all this stuff hit your brain, and all these glands are activating, and you're, you feel chemically imbalanced, and, and you don't know. And your husband, if, if you're married, your husband is looking at you thinking, who, who are you? Because we don't feel it. Come on, somebody. We don't feel the change. We don't feel the hormones. We don't feel the emotions and all that kind of stuff. That's where you need, ladies, listen to me. That's where you need to trust your husband because he's not feeling what you're feeling. As far as he's concerned, you still look just like you did yesterday. But in your mind, you have dramatically changed. You go through 15 outfits and none of them fit. You don't like any of them. Why? Because it's about how you're feeling about yourself. But your husband hasn't experienced that. So trust him. Trust his emotions. Now, men, listen, this is not a time to make jokes. I know we as husbands, we, we, we like, you know, it's not a good time to make jokes. In men and sister Betty's life, I found that fine is not a good answer. How does this look on me? Fine. That means it's a no-go. Come on, somebody. Something like, you look great is better response, but she's going to throw it right back at you and say, you're lying. <laughs> you know better. And she's going to change that outfit anyway, but it's your job to try to keep stability. <laughs> you can tell her that that outfit looks absolutely beautiful on you. She's still going to change it. Okay? Why? Because it's rampant chemicals. And she's not trying to do this, okay? But there is stability in the process. Men, we've got to learn to be stable for our wives and for our children. Now listen, a lot of men just really get irritated when I say this in counseling because men like to bring up the thing about PMS. Well, she's just having PMS. Well, that could be true but you're having IMS. <laughs> IMS is a proven clinical thing. Men have IMS. It's called irritable male syndrome. Some of you ladies need to be saying amen right now. Amen. It's called irritable male syndrome. And sometimes men are irritable no matter if everything's going right, they're going to be irritable. You know why? Because they're having the same thing you're having. It's just not as dramatic. A man's response is all, almost always to just be irritable. <laughs> Sister Betty, stay out of this. <laughs> I'm preaching. She's been telling me lately, and we're going we're gonna to do it. She's been telling me lately, you need to take a break because you are cranky. Does this look cranky? No, you know why? Because this is Holy Spirit. If you want to see cranky, 
Check with me about an hour after church is over. We, these chemicals control our emotions. Now, the only way to, under, to deal with that is the fact that we have the Word of God and we have Holy Spirit. The Word of God is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart and brings stability, brings something for us to park our emotions on. Holy Spirit is able to take charge of our thinking and implant thoughts in our mind that change the way we view things and change the way we, we see things. So chemical, chemical release is something that takes place in everything. Everything about us is a chemical reaction. If you're happy, it's because you're having a chemical reaction. Now, that could be because of what you're meditating on, an experience, or whatever the case might be. But it could be just the fact that you just, you know, you're having a chemical reaction. You know, when, when, when you're laughing, <laughs> you know, that's happy. When you're going like this, <laughs> that could be a chemical reaction. Okay? Just trying to get this thing balanced out. <laughs> so our emotions can either be a blessing or they can be a curse, one or the other. Okay? And God put us together as a family of God to help each other with our, with, with our emotional well-being. We are brothers and sisters brought together with the Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and we should be able to help one another and influence one another. Amen. Praise God. There should be, a, there should be an impartation that takes place in our lives because we are a family. Praise God. I told, I told somebody the other day, I said, you know, I, 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 think, I told a pastor, I said, I think I'm getting soft. He said, why? I said, because I got such a happy church. They're just happy. They're just not at each other. You know, I'm not having to break up fights all the time and, and try, you know, he said this and she said that and, and I don't like this group and I don't like, that ain't, that doesn't exist right now in this church and what a, what a blessed thing. I mean, I actually enjoy coming yeah. <laughs> and I'm the pastor. There have been, there've been times in my life where I couldn't even sleep on Saturday night because I knew I had to go to church the next morning. That is not a good place to be. That is not the kingdom of God. That is not the body of Christ. The body of Christ is a place where we're able to help one another and bring balance to each other. And if we're grumpy, then we can just hug each other and be okay. Amen. Come on, somebody. Not be so touchy. Quit being touchy. Amen. I didn't. I don't think you. I don't. I don't like the way you said that. Get touchy. Get offended. You know why you get offended? Because you're trying to find a place to to to. You're trying to find something to justify your offense. Because you're already offended, you're just trying to find something that'll justify it. And it's, it's some good stuff, it really is. <laughs> Praise God. We need to be an emotional church. We just don't need to be an emotionally unhinged church. 
An emotional church knows how to rejoice in the presence of God. Oh, my goodness. You know, just, just the, when we're worshiping and the presence of God, I mean, it, it's awesome. Amen. It's awesome. And we just need, we need to learn how to just let go and enjoy it. Praise God. When Sister Val just starts going, going into just worship and praise and, and, you know, just words flowing out of her and songs what we've never heard before, don't stand there and say, well, wonder where this song's going. <laughs> well, I need some words in order to, to sing that song. <laughs> don't do that. Get with it. Amen. Experience God. Experience who he is. Worship. Get excited if you want to. Cry if you want to. Jump up and down if you want to. I mean, my goodness, there's some stuff we should be jumping up and down about. So chemicals are something we've got, and we'll, we'll probably talk about this more later, but chemicals are something that can be caused to be unstable because of your perception, because of instances, because of memories, because of things like that. The upcoming, you know, we talked about that, the upcoming, and, and so it can be caused to be unstable like that. Other parts of it is just changes in our bodies, and we have to be able to think through that. We have to be able to see through that, and we have to trust the opinions of people around us that we love and we know cares about us. Because they are the ones that haven't changed. They're not feeling what you're feeling right now, so you got to trust their opinion. Okay? Trust their opinion. I'm not going to be able to get any further into this, but in Isaiah 26 and 3, I'm just going to read this. It says, Perfect peace. Talking about perfect peace. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. We'll talk more about what, get a little more, more, more about peace later on. But I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. In other words, the, the things we meditate on, the things we think about, ca will cause a settledness to come on us. And if we respond properly to experiences, then instead of causing us to be unhinged, they will settle you. Settle you. Praise God. That's a powerful word. I use, I use this in counseling a lot, this verse, talking about being settled. To be settled. It means that you are content with the situation and who you are and what's going on. It doesn't mean everything's good. It just means you've learned to be content about the situation because you trust God. You know God's there. You know the Word of God is powerful. You know the Holy Spirit's there. You're able to be settled, amen, and not have an emotional response. 